in that weakness, you'll find your greatest strength. That Jesus Christ's wounds will meet our wounds. And in that weakness, in that brokenness, you will find your greatest strength. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. This is Dave Van Vickle, and I'm unfortunately all alone this week. Uh, Michael Gormley had some work obligations, and, you know, I have a crazy schedule too, so, you know, we just couldn't make it work this week. So I apologize for that, but we're going to continue on. We'll soldier on without our fearless leader here, and uh, and we'll see how we can do, and, and I'll get his critiques next week. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Uh, welcome, uh, and thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, I hope that you're having a great summer. I hope that it's productive and fruitful and that you are actively evangelizing. You're actively answering the call of Christian discipleship, that we are called to share our faith and that you find it very intentional and concrete ways to do that. It's part of our part of our promise here. It's part of being uh, a member of the faithful, that we will propagate faith in Jesus Christ and to put our journey at the service of the world to say to everyone, here's what he's done in my life. So I hope that that is something in your life that you can point to and say, yep, I, this is, this is a serious part of my life. I'm trying to do this every day. And, and this is, this is a, I hope that this podcast can be a support to that. So uh, I hope to see some of you next week at the Bosco conference, the John Bosco conference at Franciscan university of Steubenville. I know a lot of our listeners are professional Catholics, meaning that they work in parishes or dioceses, and so I hope to see uh, many of you there next week. I'm sure I will. I know I did last time I was there, uh, which I think is two years ago now because of COVID. So come up and say hi. I'll be there for two days giving talks, um, just two different talks, one on the charisma and one on discipleship uh, as a means of parish renewal or means of uh, maybe, yeah, as a means of renewal. So uh, feel free to stop by. I'd love to hear your feedback. I'd love to meet you, see your faces and things like that. Uh, that's such a wonderful conference because everybody, you know, you get together. We, we, I know I've used this analogy before, but I was at a meeting about, I don't know, five, six years ago. I guess it was four years ago because my daughter's four. She was just born uh, with like 30 evangelists from around the country. Um, and I remember... One of the things I took away from that meeting was just this image that one of the attendees gave was that, you know, you you work in your own little area and you expand your circle. And the hope is that our circles will meet. Right. And I got a lot of hope from that, you know, because society, the world, sometimes even the people we work with and certainly the devil, they try to make us feel alone as evangelists and as uh as those an apostolate out there, they try to make us feel alone, like very much. And, and, you know, once the devil realizes he can't convince you to not do what you're supposed to do, then, then he has this trick where he tries to convince you that you like the fate of the world depends on you, you know? And, and there's this like kind of stress that a lot of evangelists have, at least I've had it before. And, and I remember just that image of like, no, everybody's look at our, our circles are going to touch soon. And, and I think you probably see that, when you're out there that 
there are ministries that just are expanding into yours and yours are expanding into them and they complement each other and everything. And that's a beautiful thing to see that the Holy Spirit is conducting this orchestra of grace, right? That is uh, just drawing all men to Jesus Christ, drawing all men to Jesus Christ. And that if we kind of can see our place in that orchestra that, that will make beautiful music together, you know? So that's a, that's a major pitch for the Bosco conference. I just called it an orchestra of the Holy spirit, but, um, but I hope to see you there. So I wanted to talk, uh, this week, I've been thinking a lot about something and that is that it's so, I have a much easier time inspiring someone to evangelize than I do actually teaching them how to evangelize. And I'll tell you why I think that is, you know, and I, to be honest with you, I have seen this across the board that that is a big, a big thing in the Catholic church that a lot of the programs that supposedly, or or not, not supposedly, I don't want to rip on them. They're great programs and everything, but a lot of the programs that, that set out to teach you how to evangelize, they kind of have the, um, the effect of inspiring you to evangelize. But when it comes to like the nuts and bolts and the practical things, it's, there's not a lot there, you know? And, and I think I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. Like a a lot of evangelization is just uh, holding your nose and jumping in the cold water, you know, and, um, and, and following the Holy spirit and trusting in the Holy spirit and realizing that you're nothing without the Holy spirit. Right. But I think one of the reasons that it's harder to teach evangelization is because Real evangelization takes place within the context of interpersonal relationships, real authentic relationships. And so there are things that happen in, I mean, you've been relating to people since you were a baby, okay? Um, And there are things that happen in relationships that just, you don't necessarily always uh, point out, you don't name them, you don't quantify them, you don't think about them, you're not intentional about it. They're just natural things that happen in relationships. People ask me this all the time, you know. Uh, like I have a, a program that I use to teach people how to pray. I have a program that I use that we've talked about on the air about um, like a devotional model for conquering sin. You know, I have different things that I've worked on over the years, you know, and people say like, well, were you trying to write a book or something like that? And it's like, no, I was never trying to write a book. It was a response to people who I was trying to help. You know, all of those things were just responses to people that I was trying to help. And that's what I mean by it being in an, in the context of an interpersonal relationship, that that's what you do, right? You're you're in a relationship, someone someone shares something with you and, and you think, hmm, I wonder how I can help that person. And in evangelization, that's exactly what you're doing is you're in this relationship and and you realize like, well, it's time for this person to jump out of the nest and and spread their wings. Like I I'm I'm done here. You know, they need to they need to have their relationship with Jesus. So what do you do? You teach them how to pray. Uh, in in certain situations, right, where sin is is a major issue, right? What do you do? You, you teach them how to build virtue and try to conquer sin. I mean, that's just part of it. And and so it's hard, you know, because so much of that just happens naturally. It just happens naturally within the context of a relationship. And one of those things, and what I want to talk about today in particular, is I guess we call it inner healing, right? Inner healing. And we've talked a little bit about it on the show but definitely it's one of those things that go hand in hand with evangelization, uh, meaning that there's going to be a certain amount of necessary inner healing that happens in almost every person's life before they're able to respond, before they're able to ask Jesus Christ into their life and to have a relationship with him. Uh, 
it's just part of who we are, you know, and, and it's, it's a topic that, you know, when I say the phrase inner healing, I don't know why, but I, it, I has a reaction, you know, because there can be like, I don't, I don't know, usually it pulls up like some, some thoughts of like maybe a retreat you're on about inner healing or maybe a process you've used or a program or something like that. And baggage comes with those things, good and bad, you know. I want to understand it in kind of a different way today, and I want to talk about it with regards to evangelization in particular. Uh, and, And I think probably for most of us, you're probably just like shaking your head saying, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. Inner healing has to go along with this process of discipleship. And what I mean by that is there's going to be times where a person can't move forward. It is a long process. You know, it usually is it's a long process, you know, depending on what the Holy Spirit's done, where he's led the person, everything like that. But usually these relationships are long, you know, long-term relationships that eventually end up in fruitful discipleship. And what you'll see is like, you know, a person might stall and kind of like pull back or they might move forward, but then always move back a little bit as well. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that like, you know, there are wounds that need to be dealt with, right? Because when we talk about wounds, when we talk about the need for healing, for the most part, most people's idea of God is so screwed up, right? We've, we've, we haven't taught that very well, at least philosophically, that they have a hard time reconciling uh, a merciful, all, you know, totally loving God with the fact that they are hurt, you know, and, and whether people want to admit it or not, a hundred percent of people are wounded, right? It's part of our life. You know, there is a, that that's just part of it. So it's, it's something that we have to learn how to deal with. And I think as evangelists, we have to be really keen to this idea that there needs to be healing. I, I was once accused of forceful evangelization or evangelizing too fast. I remember. And one of the reasons was we were giving an evangelization retreat. This is when we were in college, an evangelization retreat. And there was like normally on this retreat, like three hours set aside for like a time of of inner healing. And I kind of wanted to just take that time and use it for more charismatic, more I don't know how you how they how they phrased it, but probably something a little bit more that I saw more constructive during that time. And I do have that kind of personality of like, well, let's just get this plane in the air. We'll fix it later, you know. So I I, I understand, but I basically after the retreat, uh, you know, and I was leading it, a young lady like said to me, um, you know, I think taking out that aspect of healing was a major mistake. I think several of the people who would have normally responded to um, sort of like an altar call, I guess you could say, on Saturday night, didn't respond specifically because they they did not have the time to process certain wounds in their life that they needed to process. And, you know, I, I remember at the time not, you know, being very prideful, you know, I, I've an ego like none to match, unfortunately. Um, but I remember at the time thinking like, well, that's ridiculous. Like the healing will come, like healing comes from Jesus. Just get him to Jesus and healing will do it. Right. And not really respecting the process, not really respecting the movement of the Holy spirit, not really respecting humanity. Even um, I kind of dismissed it. It wasn't until leaving college when I began to um, 
encounter some of the most broken people on earth, right? Some of the most incredibly wounded people on earth that I started to realize that this was a real thing, right? That there was no get the plane in the air, we'll fix it later. There was no just get them to Jesus and 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 he'll fix them. They actively avoid avoided relationship and even relationship with Jesus because they were chained, right? They weren't free to do that. And, and, and I truly, when I say to you, I've encountered the most broken, wounded people on earth that, that is, I mean, you name it. And I have worked with people like that, you know, people who have been involved in the sex trade, people who have been involved in uh, pornography, people who have, you know, just, just really sad individuals who are deeply, deeply hurt. And so I started to respect that, you know, that idea of like, yeah, you know, I needed to. And even in 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 respecting that, I started to realize that a lot of my wounds weren't healed, right? A lot of my wounds from from just life were not healed. And that made me limited in my ability to help others. Uh, so so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about inner healing and evangelization. One of the first things I want to just point out is we're not counselors. I mean, mo- some of you might be, but I'm not, and most DREs are not, and most evangelists are not psychologists or counselors. Okay, they're certainly not psychiatrists. Or, you know, I mean, there there could be someone who practices both, but for the most part, we're just people. We don't have any uh, degrees in uh, psychology or counseling or anything like that. So. It's important to stay in your lane with this stuff <laughs> because I'm not qualified, you know, to treat certain things and I'm not qualified to do therapy depending on what kind of therapy you're talking about, right? Um, you know, all I can do is put my journey at the the forefront and show how God has healed me of certain things and how God has changed the way I look at wounds. Um so that they can kind of see that there is another way here. So I want to just throw that out there, that if you're evangelizing someone who is deeply, deeply broken, deeply, deeply wounded, stay in your lane, right? Uh, they, they need counseling. They probably need psychologists. They might even need psychiatric help. I mean, it's possible that they need, you know, drugs and things like that, you know, and that, that's way out of our, our, our uh, you know, out of our league here. So, Make sure that you are trying to play the role of evangelist and not not a counselor, okay? The second thing I want to say is, you know, because evangelization is done within the context of an interpersonal relationship, what you want to do is you want to listen with the ears of the Holy Spirit, right? You want to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you, I hate to even say that phrase, reveal to you, because it sounds so mystical. That's not what I mean. What I mean is this. You're trying your best to grow in a relationship with a person and introduce them to another friend. And so what I would cons- what I would suggest is that you listen to them with a little bit of intentionality for the fact that there might be things holding them back from being introduced to this other friend, Jesus, right? And listening to those things, right? And and realizing that everybody is wounded and start to really try to recognize major parts of their story that might limit freedom, okay? But might limit freedom. Start listening to that. The other thing I would say, you know, and and I think this is 
really, really important right now. And I, I want to I want to say it the right way. So I'm kind of just trying to be timid here a little bit. Or I want to be slow, I guess, is how I, I should have said it, you know, that and I explain this well. Let's let's redefine what we mean by inner healing. Okay. The truth is, for the most part, someone who's been deeply wounded, maybe as a child or somebody who's been involved in things that just kill your humanity, right? They're never going to just move on one day and forget all of those things. Is it possible? Sure. God can do anything. He can, he's sovereign, right? He can do what he wanted, wants to do. But they're not going to just all of a sudden wake up one day and be like, that didn't happen. And kind of the idea, the word healing kind of makes you feel like, well, yeah, that, that wound is gone. And that's not the case, at least in my pers- from my perspective of most people that I've worked with and in my life. I still feel wounded of things that I feel like God has poured his balm into, right? They will always be there. And so I would say that the paradigm that we want to look at these things through and and the way that we want to kind of gauge whether we're moving in is a reorientation to the wounds, right? A reorientation to the wounds that, yes, we live in a fallen world. And yes, those wounds will be with us. And even when they're closed up, there will be that scar. Yes, 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 all of those things. But that Jesus Christ came to reorient you to to your brokenness, to reorient you to your wounds so that in that weakness, you'll find your greatest strength. So that in that weakness, you'll find your greatest strength. That Jesus Christ's wounds will meet our wounds. And in that weakness, in that brokenness, you will find your greatest strength. So it's more of a reorientation than a healing. It's, it, it is this beautiful new relationship to what God, to what the world has done and how God has responded to us. And so I would say that, you know, one of the ways to gauge this is, is freedom. How, how free do they move? You know, and this is a funny thing because I I think about my son, Max, a lot with regards to this, my son, Max, and you know, if you don't know, he has cerebral palsy and what they'll do is they have these awful charts that you have to fill out when you start like new therapy and it'll have all these different things like daily things that a like a, a normal person does. Like it'll say like brush teeth, uh, feed yourself, change yourself, all those kinds of things, right? Uh, change your clothes, put a shirt on, uh, get out of bed, uh, any, any number of those things. And what it'll do is it'll say like, there'll be two ratings. One of them will be how good are they at it? And then how important is it to you? Okay. So it'll say like, uh, is he able to put his shirt on? Or it'll, it'll say something like this. Is he able to assist in putting his shirt on? And it'll say, you know, for Max, it would be like uh, basically a, a one out of five, okay? And then it'll say, how important is it to you that we that he's able to do that? And then I would say like, well, a five, you know, because I want him to have that ability. I want him to have the freedom to be able to do that, okay? I know that that's a long way of explaining this, but that's kind of how we look at, how you want to look at inner healing, right? Uh, how free is the person able to, respond to Jesus Christ, enter into relationships with other people, be in a healthy relationship with men, women, children, all these kinds of things. How free are they to be able to do that? And, and if, they're, if it limits their freedom, if, if a wound, a past wound limits their freedom, then I believe that's something that God wants to come in and heal. 
you know, that he wants to come in and heal so that they can freely respond to fully surrender to Jesus Christ, to fully surrender to Jesus Christ. And it's, you know, something that you'll start to watch happen. Someone change, something changes in people's lives. I also want to say that, so, so freedom is the paradigm. Reorientation is what we're trying to do. But I also want to say that, you know, this is a duty of ours, right? Freedom is what we were called, what we're called to. We're called to live in the freedom of God's children and liberty from sin, from captivity, right? That's what we're called to be. And so we have to respond to the things that limit our freedom. And we have to respond vehemently, right? That, that these are things that we have to take care of. You see, when you work in church work, you see priests, religious sisters, secretaries, DREs, you see people all the time that kind of have uh, just right below the surface, it's bubbling so close to the surface, an issue with past wounds, with past hurts. You see this all the time. And it's okay. We're all wounded. The question is, how free are you to be able to enter in, to be able to enter into apostolate, to be able to surrender to Jesus Christ, that's the big question that we're trying to get at here. You know, this is not an easy thing to work out. It's not an easy thing to to do, right? I remember there's this beautiful quote uh, from Henry Nouwen, right? And he he wrote a book called The Wounded Healer, which everyone should read. It's, it's an excellent, excellent book for those who are in apostolate. I don't remember if there's anything in the book that I wouldn't recommend or anything, but I, I, I think it's definitely a, an excellent book to read. I remember this one quote. He says, therefore, ministry is a very confronting service. It does not allow people to live with illusions or immortality and wholeness. It keeps reminding others that they are mortal and broken, but also that with the recognition of this condition, liberation starts. Beautiful. Let me read it one more time. Therefore, ministry is a very confronting service. It does not allow people to live with illusions or immortality and wholeness. It keeps reminding others that they are mortal and broken, but also that with the recognition of this condition, liberation starts. Isn't that such a telling statement about what we're trying to do here? That for so many people, when we first enter into a relationship with them. They're living outside of reality. They're living in this, this uh, a new normal that they've created where their, their idea of freedom is, is totally warped, right? And they, they feel like they're in charge and they feel like they're immortal and they feel like they're whole and they feel like they're living in a way that they can be happy. And we come in and, and we show them the chains that they're bound by. And we show them that there's a freedom, that there's a joy, that there's a liberty that they have no clue about. And in fact, they're going to keep trying and keep pushing and keep pushing on in this life of dissipation, but that what they're going to do is just find themselves more and more bound by the world, by the flesh, by the devil, and by their wounds. It, 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 is, it is a tough tough confrontation that happens where license meets freedom, where love meets lust, where uh, you name it, where, where real, true liberty meets enslavement. And, and once they encounter it, immediately uh, there's a paradigm shift in their head where it's a little bit disturbing. 
and they're they're wondering how how did I let myself be bound like this, you know? And and it's also a beautiful thing because as he says, this is this is where liberation starts. This is where liberation starts. So as you're listening to those people that you're trying to evangelize, you kind of want to make notes, you know, of different things that they say. You want to make note of, you know, relationships that they had when they were younger and things like that that could be in the future a problem as far as they're being able to respond to things, you know, because uh, you might have to get to this point where uh, you say, you know, have you ever thought about just praying about this? You know, I I can't tell you how many times, right, when somebody uh, will see me interact with my children or see my wife interact with, with our children, right, and they'll start talking oftentimes about their parents, right? And and oftentimes it's it's not a, a good story, it's a negative story, you know? And by the way, I, I mean when I interact with my kids, both negative and positive, right? They might see they might see the good and the bad. When you when you come in contact with my family, you're seeing my authentic family. There's no no hiding anything. Um, but I can't tell you how many times, you know, it's sparked a conversation where they started to talk about well, their parents or their relationship and maybe a hurt that happened or maybe that. And how many times I've, I've ended up just, you know, right in the middle of the day when they're with my kids just saying like, hey, have you ever thought about just praying and asking God to come into that situation and sitting there and praying with them, you know, and, and starting to realize like how deep this wound is, you know, is this something that we can just give it over to the Lord and, and, and it's gone? Is it something that, uh, you know, there's going to be more actions to take and process is going to be important in this, right? That if if they've hurt someone deeply, oftentimes just just praying and just uh, just saying it out loud is not enough, right? That they they have to start to process their wounds and start to go back and kind of undo these knots that they've tied. And so being recognizing that is an important step in this process. And knowing when to kind of jump in and say, hey, you know, this might be a great time to to renounce those lies that you've been telling yourself, right? So many times, uh, inner healing is kind of like uh, weeding, you know, it's kind of like weeding. You you start pulling the weeds at the top and you have no idea how deep those roots go, you know, and what you're seeing is not the wound. What you often see is the the lie that the wound created, right? You see the fruit of that wound. And and those are things that you can combat in two different ways. The first thing you can say is, well, no, that's a lie that you're saying to yourself. That's a lie. But you pull that root a little bit deeper, you pull out it deeper, 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 and you can get that, get to that wound where that lie started. And then you can say, have you ever thought about the fact that you've been lying to yourself for all these years that you actually are lovable, you're not unlovable, and that you've been telling yourself this lie for all these years and that maybe you should you should repent of that lie right this is a moment of conversion a moment of repentance that you can go through and, and this is something that happens all the time right it's it's a very common thing in in uh in evangelization that uh, you confront lies that people have been telling to themselves and they think that because they've been telling them telling it to themselves that that it's not wrong a lie is a lie and a lie is something that needs to be repented of this is all part of the inner healing that goes on with within an interpersonal relationship within evangelization. Finally, last thing I would say is uh, we're called to be 
wounded healers to steal the the name of the book from Henry Nowen. We're called to be wounded healers. And part of what he talks about in that book is putting our wounds on display for others' benefit. And I think that there's a, a slippery slope here. You know, I remember being in college at our school, you know, it was so it was such a passionate place for the good. Now, I, I, w- I want to say that. It was for the good. There's no question in my mind that it was passionate for the good. But people desired so deeply freedom and so deeply liberty and so deeply to bring others to that, that oftentimes there were things like overshares, you know, <laughs> that they couldn't stop sharing about their wounds, that they wouldn't stop that. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is this, that oftentimes, like, you know, we think we own our history. We think we own our story. And we think even, even we think we own our hurts, you know, but if God has come into that wound, if God has come into that hurt, to that brokenness and, and done something and healed it in some way or reoriented yourself to it or given you some freedom, it's his now it's his. And so we can't, we can't be shy about saying like, yeah, this is, this is what the Lord has done in my life. I, I used to be so angry because of this. And now I still remember the wound. It still hurts when I think about it. But you know what? I don't have to be angry anymore. I don't have to have that. That's part of of being a wounded healer, right? And it's an important part of evangelization to to share our story of what God has done. Uh, Evangelization isn't, isn't just an act of the will. It's it's a total giving of your life to the Lord so that he can do with it what he wants including our brokenness, including our, our wounds, including our, the way we've hurt other people. So I'll share, you, share with you another amazing quote you know, that's, that's so important from Henry Nouwen. He says, the man who articulates the movements of his inner life, who can give names to his varied experiences, need no longer be a victim of himself but is able slowly and consistently to remove the obstacles that prevent the spirit from entering. He is able to create space for him whose heart is greater than his, whose eyes see more than his, whose hands can heal more than his. (laughs) I remember reading that the first time it took my breath away. It's so true that a big part of our job as evangelists is to help others and in our own life, to be able to articulate the movements of our inner life, to give names to our experiences so that we can begin to identify those things that truly affect our, our, our freedom, that truly affect our ability to enter into relationship, that truly affect our liberty. You know, I, I, I think that that is such an important part of of being in an apostolate of encountering other people of having true real encounters of allowing Jesus in is to name those things in our own lives and to name those things in the lives of others right to help them to recognize them and and name them the things that affect the the what we're seeing on the outside right what we see is a body and we see actions and we see and we hear things come out of that body they all come from somewhere. And if we can help them to no longer be a victim of those things, if we can help them to do that. I remember uh, yeah, one person in particular, I met her at, outside of an abortion clinic and uh, 
I don't know what she would say about me now. I don't I really don't know. But we had this weird deep relationship where even though we were on opposite sides, you know, we we would we would talk sincerely about things. And I remember saying to her on several occasions like, you know, you don't have to be that angry. You don't have to be that angry. And I remember her saying like, you have no idea what what has happened to me. You have no idea what has happened to me. And I remember saying saying to her, you know, well, the fact that you know what's happened to you is enough. Like, you know where this comes from. You're saying that. That's what you're admitting to me, that you know where this anger comes from. And if you're bound by that anger, name where it comes from and ask for healing. Ask for a reorientation, a new way to look at that brokenness, at that wound. It's hard, you know, because our wounds fester. It's it's just very similar. My my daughter Josie, she always gets splinters. I swear she's like a splinter magnet, right? And she hates them, but what she hates more than anything is for me to take them out. That's what we're like a lot of times with our wounds, right? We we hide them. We're like, no, 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 no. That's really painful. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that scary. But the fact that we know that that's there is is a big first step, right? We can articulate that that movement of the inner life that causes us to have this anger. That causes us to re, to revile things, that causes us to to hurt others. When we name it, it's it's the beginning of making space for Jesus who can heal. The last thing I would say to you is uh, is just this idea of making sure that we realize Christ is the healer, right? And not us. We're we're not the healers, right? Oftentimes, it, it kind, of, kind of seems like that because when people tell their stories, there's, there's a lot of healing in, in that. A lot of people who, when you evangelize, a lot of people who tell you their story, it's the first time ever they've told anyone some of those stories. And there can be a lot of healing just in, the, in that act, you know. And you'll see a difference in people's lives. They, they, they stand taller. They feel straight. You know, they feel different. They feel a, a, a lightness about them because it's the first time they've ever shared some of these some of these deep hurts, you know, and it can be easy to think like, okay, the healing happened, but remember that's not really true. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Can God be in that conversation? Could he be part of that telling of the story and that healing? Sure. But for the most part, what we want to do is say, Hey, you know, you just told that story, which is really brave of you. And I, I really appreciate you bringing me into your life in this way. And you know, I, I hope you feel like I've responded in an appropriate way. What I want to say to you is like you you can close that wound up. It doesn't have to get worse. And ask Jesus to come into it. And to help them to recognize that it's not just a might not just be a one time thing. It could be a long process. It could take years and years. Oftentimes the way we get into this brokenness, the way we destroy our humanity takes a long process. And so you kind of have to undo what was done there before, you know, uh, and and very very commonly it's in the same order in which, right? If if the first relationship that failed you was your parents, right? It sometimes you have to redo it in that order, forgiving your parents, and then it's you know led leads to a life of sin, forgiving those who you know you you entered into that sin with, and praying for them and asking for their forgiveness, those kinds of things. This is. It's hard. This is a hard part of evangelization, but it's so, so, so important. I hope I didn't sound like I was rambling. You know, I, I don't suggest that anyone push 
having people share their wounds with them. <laughs> I, I don't think that's ever healthy. And there are a lot of people who do that. You know, that's a, that's a big thing. What I suggest is that you get into a real relationship with them and that you build that trust. And that slowly the Holy Spirit might kind of reveal to you a string and you kind of pull on that string and you realize there's a knot there. And you ask God to come into this situation and see what happens. Uh, if, if there are people who have been trying to reach for years and years and years and they're negative and they have an answer for everything and they're, I, I would be willing to bet one of the issues there is inner healing, is a brokenness, is a wound. And that it could be that God wants you to respond to that in some way. And so praying for their, their healing, looking, uh, recognizing that it's there, looking with the eyes of the Holy Spirit, listening with the ears of the Holy Spirit, starting to really build that trust so that they could share. These are things that are going to have a breakthrough for your efforts to bring them to your friend, Jesus Christ, where the real healing happens, where the deepest healing happens, where the deepest reorientation to their brokenness and to our brokenness happens at the foot of the cross. Uh, and so I would just encourage you, you know, think about this. Think about inner healing. Think about it in yourself. Think about those things. You know, every time you, you sin, particularly sins against charity, sins against brotherly love, right? And you think to yourself, where did that come from? You know, that you pull on that string pull on that knot and say, hey, there's something there. I'm I'm bound by this. There's something there. Why did I respond that way? Uh, I I felt like I had to respond that way. That's a brokenness. That's a wound. It's a knot that needs to be worked out. And and we should go back and and try to work that knot out. You know, when I uh, think an uncharitable comment in my head, the the first thing I do is is I, I say, Lord, wherever that came from, Wherever that came from, it was so out of the ordinary, so out of the blue. Like it was so automatic. Wherever that came from, please, Lord, go in there and heal that place. And if it takes more than just saying something like that, Lord, please reveal that wound to me so that I can name it, so that I can bring it to you at the mass, I can bring it to you at confession, so I can bring it to you at the foot of the cross, so I can give it to your to your mother, so I can, so I can let myself be fully, totally seen by you. So that one day with St. Augustine, I can look into my deepest wound and see your glory. Uh, I, I pray that we can all stand with Augustine and say that one day, that we can look into his deepest wounds and see God's glory. Brothers and sisters, we love being a part of the Ascension Press family, and we are going to uh, take a quick break and hear what they have to offer. We'll be back in just a minute. Every one of us is made in the image of God. We are unique, worthy of love, and called to greatness. In this world, though, we can be distracted from that truth and begin to doubt God's love is real. You see, we live in a world that tells us we are not smart, attractive, thin, or rich enough. It is easy to focus on the ways we fall short of worldly perfection and forget that we are already made perfect. We are already enough. I'm Danielle Bean, author of You Are Enough, 
what women of the Bible teach you about your mission and worth. You Are Enough dives into the stories of women in the Bible so that you can fully see God's plan for your life. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Welcome back to Every Knee Shall Bow. We've been talking about inner healing, and I, I just want to do one quick uh, exercise with you to, to end this episode. It's a little bit different, but uh, I just want to pray pray with you for inner healing. And uh, I have a, just a little prayer that a lot of people use for healing, and uh, it's a prayer that I use sometimes for myself, uh, and I want to lead you through this. And, and again, remember that it's not gone, right? I've been hurt, and I've been and I've hurt, and, and those things are still present with me, but God has reoriented me towards those things, and I look at them in a new way, and I, I believe truly that keeping them with me is part of it. So I would encourage you, maybe, maybe think about one particular wound that you know right off the bat that you have, and let's just pray real quick, and we'll end the episode in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, you came to heal our wounded and troubled hearts. I beg you to heal the torments that cause anxiety in my heart. I beg you in a particular way to heal all which are the cause of sin. I beg you to come into my life and heal me of the psychological harms that struck me in my early years and from the injuries that they caused throughout my life. Lord Jesus, you know my burdens. I lay them all on your good shepherd's heart. I beseech you, and by the merits of the great open wounds in your heart, to heal the small wounds that are in mine. Heal the pain of my memories, so that nothing that has happened to me will cause me to remain in pain and anguish, filled with anxiety. Heal, O Lord, all those wounds that have been the cause of all the evil that is rooted in my life. I want to forgive all those who have offended me. Look to those inner sores that make me unable to forgive. You who came to forgive the afflicted of heart, please heal my own heart. Heal, my Lord Jesus, those intimate wounds that cause my physical illness. I offer you my heart. Accept it, Lord. Purify it and give me the sentiments of your divine heart. Help me to be meek and humble. Heal me, O Lord, from the pain caused by the death of my loved ones, which, are, which is oppressing me. Grant me to regain peace and joy in the knowledge that you are the resurrection and the life. Make me an authentic witness to your resurrection, your victory over sin and death, your living presence among us. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you all. Pray for us. We always pray for you. <laughs>